0: We've been in the middle of a series this month called Tomorrow Starts Today, and what we've been talking about is our future is really determined by how well we live in the present, how well we learn the lessons that we go through right now, and how well we take those and carry them forward into our tomorrow. So tomorrow really does start today, and the key verse we've been using for this series is Proverbs twenty four fourteen, and it says, you may be sure that wisdom is good for the soul. Get wisdom and you have a bright future. Maybe you no know, wisdom is more than knowledge. Yeah, that's right. Knowledge is good, but wisdom is better, right. and it, the, wisdom is what gives you a bright future. You can have knowledge because you went through something, and you know, "Oh, if I do that, this is what's going to happen." That's knowledge. Wisdom is adjusting your life in response to what you 've learned. I, I could have knowledge of, hey, the last time I stuck my hand in that fire on the stove, I got burned. that's knowledge but if all I ever do is say, hey, I'm going to stick my hand in the fire again and I know it's going to burn me, You've got knowledge, but it hasn't done you any good in your life. Wisdom is adjusting our lives to say, I learned from that, and I'm not going to repeat the same things that caused that pain. I'm going to have a bright future because I've gained wisdom from it. So that's we're after wisdom. The first two weeks of this series, uh, I've I've really been just throwing a lot at you. So I'm believing uh, we covered like five lessons each week of what we need to learn today to be successful in the future. And I'm trusting that God's been speaking what we need to hear. I'm always amazed when I talk to people after the sermon, they'll say something like, oh, this is what I got out of the message today, and I'm thinking, I don't remember saying that, but that's awesome, praise God, he's speaking to you, and I'm just trusting out of these lessons we've been going over every week, there may be a couple that you already know that you're like, hey, that's great, that's reaffirming to me, I'm doing that in my life, but I'm trusting somewhere in there. God's speaking to us about, Hey, let's adjust this or learn this a little bit more. If you've missed either of the first two sermons, they're available on the website. You can go back and listen to them. And we've been discussing them at life groups, but I just want to hop into the lessons that I have for us this week. If we learn these things well, now we will be successful and have a bright future. The first one I want to talk about today is don't gossip. Don't gossip. Can I get an amen on that one? It's a room full of church people. We ought to be able to say amen to that one. Gossip is sharing things that are meant to be private or spreading stories just for the reaction we're going to get out of them. That's, that's really what gossip is at its core. Uh, did you hear about so-and-so? Do you know what they actually do? Do you know what they've done? That's gossip. When, when someone pulls you aside and says, hey, did you know that about them? Or, or maybe you've experienced gossip in this way as you've shared a secret with somebody because you trusted them and you wanted some help and then you heard it later from five different people. And you're like, wait a second, I only told one person because I trusted them and I wanted help. And gossip caused that to spread. You would think it would be common sense, but we need to be on our guard against gossip. The same way you would protect yourself if you were on a diet and you knew, I don't need to eat that, that's going to be bad for me. We, we had lunch this week with a friend from Virginia who was in town and he made some changes to his diet uh, because he was concerned about his sugar he had had some pre-diabetic diagnosis from the doctor and he's like oh, that's it I gotta change how I'm living how I'm eating what I'm putting in my body and sure enough the, the very month that he decided to make those changes in his diet he goes home to see his mom and she says I made red velvet cake Amen. and he says <laughs> <laughs> it happens We have to be on guard against it. When we make a decision to do something, we're going to be tempted. There are going to be opportunities to engage in it. And sure enough, our friend, uh, he had changed his diet. He got some great diagnoses. Everything went in remission. He's not pre-diabetic anymore. Lots of health things increased. And his mom got sick. She passed away last year. And uh, when he went home to see the family, his mom's on the deathbed. They're visiting in the hospital. And sure enough, his sister came in and says, Mom, this week, before she came in the hospital one last time, she made red velvet cake. Do you want some? And in that moment, he was still confronted with it. It's like, oh, I thought I beat this thing, but we keep... The same temptations keep passing in front of us. And he, he said, you know what? If I didn't do it when mom was up and put it in front of me herself, I'm not going to do it now. And so he stuck with it. But we have to be on our guard that much, the same way as, as if you didn't want to eat something that was bad for you. We need to be on our guard against not letting gossip into our lives. And why do we do it? Like, we know it's wrong. We all said amen. We said don't gossip. And we're like, yeah, you're right, Pastor Chris. Why do we do it? Same reason we eat that red velvet cake. Because in, in Proverbs chapter 26, 22, it says this, Gossip is so delicious. Everybody say delicious. delicious. Just like that. That's how you guys delicious. Just like that red velvet cake. Gossip is so delicious and how we love to swallow it. For slander is easily absorbed into our innermost being. Man. The Bible even tells us why we do the things we do. Not just what to do or how to do it. He tells us why we do it. It's because it's delicious. And we need to just say no. Yeah. Can, can we do that? Just stop it. Just know I'm not going to gossip. We are running a race. Come on. Just like the background on that picture there, the people training for the Pittsburgh Marathon. We are running a race as Christians. And we need to not take things into ourselves that aren't good for our training. Just like a runner would say, I'm not going to eat that. I'm not going to do those things right now. We need to be on our guard against gossip and say, I'm just not going to do it because it's not good for the race I'm running. Gossip is destructive. It kills relationships and friendships. It kills churches. Come on. If you've ever had a church experience where gossip got into the mix, it is destructive like anything. It kills businesses, sports teams. You can go down the list. Any group of people that are interacting with each other and need to do something together. People's self-esteem gets destroyed. The trust erodes. Wherever you see people together, when gossip gets in the mix, it's destructive. And we, as Christians, need to be on our guard against it. I, I want to give you a verse this morning, uh, and it's, it was kind of funny to me. This is a sample of why I don't often use the King James Version when I'm preaching. I know some of you are very faithful. You've got your old King James that's tried and true and worn, and, and I usually preach out of NIV or different translations on the screen. But I'm going to give you a verse this morning, which kind of sums up for me why I don't often. Give you verses from the King James. It says this, this is not a typo, it's not supposed to be forward. It is a froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth the chief friends. And you read that, and you're like, should I say amen? I'm not sure, because I'm not sure what that says on the screen there. A froward man. Am I a froward man? Is that good or bad? I, we don't, how many of you, can I see a show of hands? How many of you have used froward or froward? Whichever way it's supposed to be said. How many of have used that in a conversation with your friends this week? Man, there is not one hand that went up in this room. So we read these things and we're like, what does that mean? That's got to have something to do with gossip. Because Pastor Chris is talking about that. Why would he use that verse? Here's what it says in the NIV. It says a perverse man stirs up dissension and a gossip separates close friends froward or froward, however you're saying it, uh, that is the word they use to translate a Hebrew word that actually means perverse or perversity. Right. What's that mean? It means it's sick yeah. to be a gossip. Yeah. It, it is disgusting. It is unnatural yeah. for who we were created to be. Right. When we gossip, it is a perverse thing. When we spread stories and stir dissension and cause people to be separated, the Bible says that is perverse. That is, that is a deed of darkness, not becoming the children of the light. And we need to be the ones that say, not on our watch. Gossip is not going to happen when I'm involved. If we gossip, we are sick and it's unbecoming. If we want smooth sailing in our relationships, if we want things to go well with the people we interact with, we will avoid gossip like the plague. Just cut it off at the roots. Uh, if, do you remember the old song? I heard it through the grapevine. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Not, not much longer would you be mine. I heard it through the grapevine. Do you know that every, I don't know why, but every single place has a grapevine. Yeah. Workplaces, churches, wherever you go, you could go to the grocery store and there's the grapevine in action. Can I just ask us this morning as Christians, can we cut the grapevine off at the roots and pull it out of the ground? We don't need to participate that in all. It is destructive. Don't betray someone's trust. If, if they come and tell you something in confidence, man, Jake, I need your help with this. Yeah. Like, you know, whatever it may be. I, I got a problem. I, I get by myself and I binge drink. Right. You know, can you pray and help hold me accountable? Something like that. If you're telling somebody in confidence or they're telling you, they, that is for you to pray and encourage them and strengthen them, yeah. not to go tell five different people. Not to pick up the phone or the email and say, I'm going to put this on the prayer chain. Right. There are some places where, if we were honest, it should be the gossip chain, right? There are things that are told in confidence. Yep. Come on, And obviously, if, if Steve comes and tells me, Pastor Chris, I robbed a bank last week. Please pray for me that I don't do it again. That's, I'm going to call the police. I'm sorry, Steve. You, they need to know you did that. I'm not talking about those kind of situations where it's so obvious, like, hey, somebody else needs to know. I'm talking about somebody comes as a Christian brother or sister and says, hey, this is, yeah. this is what's going on in my life. I need some help. Yeah. That's a confidence that we've been given, yeah. that we are to uphold them and encourage them and support them and pray for them, not spread it around to everybody else. That's right. That's right. Don't entertain reports. You know, the fastest way to kill gossip in some places is if, if Pam comes and says, hey, did you hear what Jake did? No, let's go talk with Jake about it, though. He's right over there. I'm going to bring him in on this conversation. Do you know what usually happens to the person who wants to gossip? Oh, oh, never mind. Never mind. Uh, I, I, I got to go. We need to be those people that cut the grapevine down at the roots. Uh, and this is why in Proverbs twenty six twenty it says, Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. We need to be ones that cut it off at the roots. Don't be part of the gossip culture, and you will succeed in life. That is a lesson. If we learn it, we will go far in our relationships, and we will have a bright future. So number one this week was don't gossip. Uh, Number two that I wanted to share with us this week is strengthen your strengths. Spend time strengthening what you're good at. Strengthen your strengths. I can do all things through Christ doesn't mean that you should do all things. How many of you saw that Antonio Brown left town? Right. He, he signed with the Raiders, and, and there are some people saying, don't let the door hit you in the butt on the way out, and we're glad to see him go, and then there's some people that are wondering, how's, how's the team ever going to be good this year? No matter how much I quote Philippians 4.13, and no matter how much I pray, the Steelers are not going to call me and sign me to replace Antonio Brown. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, doesn't mean that I'm going to be the next starting wide receiver for the Steelers. Okay? It doesn't mean that you should just because of that verse. In fact, if you study the context of Philippians 4.13, it's actually talking about God gives you supernatural empowerment to be able to endure every situation you find yourself in. That's what that verse is actually talking about. Whether I have a lot or I have little, whether I'm being abused and persecuted or whether everybody's my friend, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can endure every one of those situations well. So just because we think we could do everything doesn't mean that we should. There are some things. Here's, here's the point. The point is none of us are going to be great at everything. Some of us think we're great at everything. And we need some reality checks But But the truth is, none of us are going to be great at everything, but we need to find what we're good at. We need to find our lane and stay in it. That's a good word right there, Pastor Chris. Tell us more. Every one of us has been given gifts and talents. For example, I realized fairly early on in my ministry career that one of the gifts and talents I had not been given was youth ministry. Because we did it for a little bit. And I wasn't cool, even when I was the age where everybody was cool. I was old already. And, and I'm like, I'm not that old, but I was not cool. I don't know how that worked. But what did that do for me? That, that made me realize, okay, I can do this to help if they need it. But that is not my primary call and my gift. I need to find what I am good at and strengthen those things. And pray and ask God, bring the people that are good at those things to do them. I find my lane and stay in it. Romans 12.6 says, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. Different is a key word in that verse. Every one of us has a different gift. Thank God for different gifts. Look look at your neighbor and say, I'm thankful that you're different. (laughs) Some of you enjoyed saying that a little bit too much to your neighbor. You're different. Thank, thank God for different. It takes the pressure off. If we were gifted at everything, then we wouldn't need anybody, and we would miss the point of Christianity. That is part of why God did what he did, putting us together, because together we make up the body of Christ. Not individually, not Pastor Chris is going to be the, the guy that wears the number one hat in every ministry area right. because I can't. Right. I find my lane and I stay in it and I'm pray and, and equip other people That's to right. find their lanes and stay in it. That's right. yeah. And when we do that, something amazing happens because the body begins to function. Right. That's right. We need to understand what gifts we've been given and grow those things. I'm I'm not going to put the whole story up this morning, but if you go back later and read the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, you remember the the owner was going away, the master was going away, and before he left, he gave money to people. He said, oh, here's five talents, here's three talents, here's one talent, except for the guy that buried it in the ground. He didn't do anything and and got called a wicked, lazy servant because of it. You can read that. I don't want to be a wicked, lazy servant but another aspect of the story, the guys that received the three and the five talents, they used what they had been given to increase it. They didn't look around and say, well, man, this is nice, but why would you give him that? Or I wish I had that. If, if I only had that over there, I could do something with what. They used what they had been given, and because of that, it increased in the end of the story. They doubled their their money, they doubled the talents they had been given, and the master was pleased because of it. That's the same attitude. We need to say, Lord, what have you given me? And that's what I'm going to use, and I'm not going to be jealous, I'm not going to look at where everybody else has and think, oh, if I could just do that or have that ministry, I'm going to use what you've given me. And when we steward it well, it begins to increase in the master's hands. And he'll take us places where we can never imagine. I think... Uh, we sometimes hear the phrase, jack of all trades and master of none. It's not always, it's not always a good thing. I, I know as a, as a homeowner, I, over the years, I've become a jack of more trades than I wanted to. But at some point... <laughs> I I hate to admit this. At some point, I realized my best lane as a homeowner is when I'm able to just write a check and (laughs) hand it to the guy that actually knows what he's doing. You can ask Pam over the years. I have tried to be a jack of all trades at several things in our house. Some of them were successful and some of them not so much. And so I needed to realize, you know, there are some things I am good at, though. And I need to focus my time and attention on those things and become better at them. Stay in your lane doesn't mean you never get to try anything different. Yeah. It, it doesn't mean, hey, we're pigeonholing you and you'll never be allowed to do anything else. It, it just means that you find out what you are gifted at and do more of it and get better at it. Once, When you realize you don't have to be great at everything, you're free. You're free to focus on being really great at a few things. Come on, how many of you know that that would be liberating for some people to hear? You mean I don't have to know it all? I don't have to do it all? No. You're free to be good at what you're good at and to continue to increase and strengthen that. And when each person or a part, if you're talking about the body of Christ the way Paul did, when each part of the body realizes, this is what I've been created to do and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability, then the body is strengthened and it begins to grow and we accomplish great things for Jesus. So strengthen your strengths is the second lesson. If you do it well, you will succeed and have a bright future. Uh, the third lesson I want to talk about this morning is don't be a cynic. A cynic is someone that's always suspicious of people's motives. Okay? That's, that's what cynicism is. Uh, they're only doing that because it helps them. ever you ever hear somebody talk like that or hey they're only being nice now because it benefits them they're always suspicious of why people are doing something pastor chris only wants me to strengthen my strengths because he's going to ask me to do something not not going to deny that that may have happened um Come on, that's, that's what cynicism is though. I'm suspicious of why you're asking or wanting me to do that. You don't have my best in mind, you have your best in mind. And we think that about everybody. If you are cynical, you will find yourself with very few friends in life. Yeah. And the friends that you are able to gather yourself, you will sit around and drink nasty stale coffee at McDonald's and complain with your group of friends why nothing is changing in the world. And why everything is bad and people are out to get you. That will be your future. If anybody, uh, if, if anybody goes and drinks coffee at McDonald's with your friends, I didn't mean that personally. <laughs> but if we are cynical, we will find ourselves very alone and isolated. Cynics never change the world. They just tell you why the world can't change. That, that is what they do. is They sit there and they complain about things and tell you why it's not going to work. And that's not us. We are called to be world changers. We, we are called to do something in this world that changes it from what it is. We are called to see the best in people and believe in them and call them forth in their destinies. That's part of who we are as the body of Christ. Think about that song we sing sometimes, Show Us Your Glory. We all sing that and we have this vision, show us your glory, Lord. We, we picture like the clouds parting and the sunshine coming down. Do you know where God's glory is? it's right there next to you yes. wrapped in human flesh God put his image in each and every person it actually Jesus told them hey the f- people will see your good deeds and give glory to your father in heaven we are glory producers there is, the image of God is in people because he put it there And it's our responsibility to look for that, to say, show us your glory, Lord. I want to see what's going on in Jake's life where I can affirm him and tell him what I see Jesus in him and encourage him to be that. And there are, come on, there are times, there were times in our own lives and there are times in other people's lives where, man, I got to look pretty hard to find that image. It's a little bit broken. It's covered over by a bunch of junk and hurts and wounds and sin. And it's in there somewhere and I want to look for it. Show me your glory, Lord. That ought to be our prayer when we're interacting with people around us. God, I know your image is in there somewhere because you made them. They they didn't spring from a random accident or some other god that's up there. It, it was you. You made them, so your image is there somewhere. Show it to me, Lord. That's who we're called to be. Here's, here's a verse in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. And this is part of our job description as Christians is to look for God's glory in people and to affirm them and be for them and not be suspicious of their motives and only talk about why they'll never change. 1 Corinthians 13, 5 says, Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect. Oh, it's like an ouch verse. Right there, we could just stop. Love doesn't traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as a defeat, for it never gives up. <laughs> I was reading that verse and just thinking there's a lot of things going on in society now where they talk about making safe spaces for people. You you see those, and some of us roll our eyes at it and we're like, oh, that's ridiculous. They need to get over themselves and grow up a little bit. But it says love creates a safe space for people, a safe place for people to run to and be honest and vulnerable and to be affirmed and encouraged. Love doesn't traffic in shame and disrespect. Love always assumes the best about people. Love assumes that they have the best motives, that their character is going to come through, that they're faithful, that they're going to have good outcomes in their lives. That's the kind of things that love does. It doesn't walk into the situation saying, I know how they're going to screw up again. Or I know they're going to be selfish in this. Love walks in thinking, I think the best is going to work out. I'm assuming because I love you that this is what's going to happen. And here's a secret. It's hard to love like that. You may get burned. I think if we talk to people who were cynical and, and just set that way in their lives and they can't see any other way to be, I bet you if we talked about it and got to the root of it, they've been burned in their lives and relationships. And it's caused them to get to a point where I can't see people through that perspective of love anymore. I'm, I'm jaded. I've been affected where I think the worst of people. And when we get to that point, it's very hard to love people. But if you get burned... This is some good news this morning. If you get burned in a relationship, you know it gives you a chance to grow and be more like Jesus? He poured his life and his ministry into 12 guys that all ran off in the hour when he needed them the most. Talk about getting burned. He had every right and reason to say, that's it for you guys. Right when I was there and I needed you, my best buddies in the courtyard saying, I don't even know that guy. And Jesus didn't do that. Love was so compelling and such a part of his fabric of who he was that he said, man, you're still my guys, all 12 of you. Peter, will you feed my sheep? I'm I'm for you guys. I knew you were going to run off like that. That didn't take me by surprise. We're going to do something about it. We're going to change. We're going to grow. I'm still believing in you, even though you deserted me. Talk about an opportunity to grow and to be more like Jesus when somebody lets you down. We have to believe the best in people. And when when we get so busy loving people, you will find that you don't have time to be cynical. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus, for helping us. That's, that's another lesson for us this morning. Don't be a cynic. If you want to succeed and have a bright future, we will love and believe the best for people. Here's the last one I want to leave you with before we go this morning. Uh, if we take this lesson to heart, we will have a bright future. Be part of something bigger than you. Be part of something bigger than you. We were not created to be alone. We were not created to be the Lone Ranger. That's, uh, there's people, young people now don't even know the Lone Ranger anymore. And not because Johnny Depp had a terrible movie of it, but that's like a, it's, it's an old reference now. We, but we're not created to be the Lone Ranger, doing the, all this stuff by ourselves. In fact, the only thing in the Garden of Eden, God created everything and he looked around and he's like, this is awesome, I did a great job, all this is good. The only thing in all of creation that he said was not good was aloneness. He looked at Adam all by himself and said, that's not good for man to be alone. We were created to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And when we are part of something bigger than us, we're smarter. We are stronger. We're able to accomplish more. This is is not a disrespect to any of our individual abilities. This is just a truth of being together. The IQ in this room is greater than my own IQ by myself. And every one of us could say that. When we come together... We're smarter, we're stronger, we're able to accomplish more. We are called to be part of something bigger than ourselves. Uh, In Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10, it says this, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. We need each other. One time when Silas was young, I I bought a playset and was going to put it together. I I will tell you, out of all the things I've done, that was one I should have stayed in my lane. (laughs) I, I built a play set from scratch one time, and that actually went better than buying the big box at the store. But I get this box home to build this playset for Silas. And do you know what the first instruction in the whole box was? Yes, I actually read the instructions. Like that was a miracle right off the top. A man read the directions of how to put something together. Do you know what the very first instruction in the little booklet was? Find, find Find an adult helper. Even the people that built the playset, they knew the truth. We weren't created to do things alone by ourselves. That was the best advice and the best instruction that could have happened. I wasn't able to do everything that needed to be done by myself. And right up front, they said, find an adult helper. Can. Can I tell you that Jesus is saying that directly to some of us in this room this morning? You need to find an adult helper. Don't go, Stop going through life by yourself. Find somebody to walk with. Because Ecclesiastes says if you fall when you're by yourself, you're in real trouble. But if we're walking together, there's always someone to help us up. What a great promise, God. Thank you for making us to be together. There are some things we weren't meant to do alone, and then there are some things you, just, you actually can't do them alone. And that's part of why God puts us together. Jesus suffered some things by himself so that we wouldn't have to be by ourselves. I think he knew those guys were going to desert him and he still chose to go through it. And I think part of the going through it alone, just like he took stripes on on his back for disease and illness so that we wouldn't have to suffer with those things, he poured out his blood for our forgiveness, just like he did all those things, I think there was a reason he went through it alone so that we wouldn't have to be alone in the future. He did that for us. He made us part of something that's about... 2.5 to 2.7 billion strong in the earth today. Talk about being part of something bigger than yourself. He made us part of the body of Christ. The church. Here, Here it is in 1 Corinthians 12. In verse 13 it says, We were all baptized by one spirit into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. He says, we were baptized into the body. That, that is the Greek word, baptizo. That is the same word when it talks about being baptized with water and being baptized in the Spirit. It means to be saturated, to be fully immersed, to be drenched. And he says he wants that for us with the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit baptized us or immersed us into the body. He wants us to take full advantage of the family that he's placed us in. He doesn't, just like baptism is not meant to be, oh, I'm just dipping my toe in the water. I'm good, got my toe wet. That's not what baptism means. For water baptism, it means get in that tank, get in that river, get in that lake, and get drenched. And he uses that same word about the body of Christ. It's not enough to just be a bystander and say, I'm just going to dip my toe in the water. I said hi to somebody at church last week. I'm good. He wants us to be baptized or immersed into the body. When we do that, man, his goal, come on, why he went to the cross and what the Holy Spirit does, his goal was to immerse us in relationships with his family. And When we do that, we get to care for others and lay down our lives for others. We get to walk through celebratory times. We get to walk through times when we cry together and it's a big old mess. But we get to do it together. And that was his intention from the beginning for us. Here's 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen in the message. Same verse, but watch the translation in the message. I just wanted to read it. It says, by means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots. How many can say amen to that? We used to call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit, where we can all come to drink. The old labels we used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, are no longer useful. We need something larger and more comprehensive. That larger name and that more comprehensive name is the church. It's the body of Christ. That's what he's done to us. Uh, Steve told me when we were talking before uh, when we were greeting he says I had a picture during worship and I saw a spiral bound notebook and he says what I saw and this he didn't know what I'm talking about today but he says what I saw is the Holy Spirit is that spiral binding that holds us together he's like and each of us in this room were the pages in that notebook it's good. And, and as the Holy Spirit binds us together he says what he's written on those things <laughs> Oh, that's such a good picture. He's written the story of himself for the world to read. We are his living epistles. We are letters sent to the world. And when he binds us together as the church, when he baptizes us into the body, he writes something corporately on us that the world gets to look at and say, wow, I want to be a part of that. I want to know Jesus. What an awesome picture. If we throw ourselves into the life of his body, we find strength, we find fulfillment, we find a place to be our best selves. Here is a lesson to help you succeed, being part of something bigger than yourselves. How about this, saying it this way, be fully part of the thing that Jesus died to make you a part of. And please don't get hung up on me that that ends in a preposition. Couldn't think of a better way to say it to you this morning. But we have an opportunity, being part of the church, to throw ourselves into it and to be fully a part of the thing that Jesus actually died to make us a part of. There, there are relationships in this room that I don't think we've even tapped into what it means to truly be walking together and to bear one another's burdens and to support one another. There is more to be had So those are the lessons this morning. Uh, If we do them well, if we learn them today, we will be successful tomorrow in the future. We're not going to gossip. Everybody say, I'm not going to gossip. Yeah, thank you, Lord Jesus, for helping us remember what we just said when we get tempted this week with the red velvet cake. Come on, I'm not going to gossip. I'm going to strengthen my strengths. I'm going to realize what I'm good at and work on it. I'm not going to be cynical about people. I'm going to believe the best for them and encourage them. And I am going to be part of something bigger than myself let's go ahead and stand in this room this morning i'll tell you what i'm asking you to do this week uh just to switch up the homework a little bit this is the way i wrote it this week here's our action point connect with somebody from new life this week just find somebody else that you're not waiting for sunday to sunday to see him and say hi you're not just putting on the smile, oh, I guess I'll see them at church this week. If you're thinking about them during this week, actually connect with them this week. Find find somebody to take advantage of the relationships that he's put us in. And if you're already a part of a life group, this homework's easy for you. Because you're already going somewhere and connecting with people during the week. But if you're not yet, you could be a part of a life group or you could just call somebody, take them to coffee this week, say, hey... Let's pray for each other. Let's talk about what's going on. Or just tell them, have no agenda. Just say, you know what? I appreciate you. And I wanted to get together this week just to let you know that. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you've done in our lives. We thank you for making us part of something bigger than ourselves. Lord, let us be good stewards of the lives that you've given us. not not just what's going on in our own personal life and being so narrow-focused that that's all we see, but let us be good stewards of the relationships that you've placed us in. Let us be ones that, that truly know how to be a good friend, how to be a support, how to be an encouragement. Lord, let us believe the best about the people we're in relationship with. Let us walk together in a way that pleases and honors you and lets the world see your life flowing through us. God, we just declare that There is no one like you. Your love knows no bounds. It knows no limits. We thank you that you pursued us with that love. (laughs) Lord, and then you called us your own. What an amazing gift. Lord, let our lives reflect that well to the people around us. As we go from this place, God, let your goodness and your mercy follow us. Let your light shine through us. Let the blessings that we have received from you be something that we give way to others. We just say that we honor you, we love you, and we ask that you continue to move in our lives. In Jesus' name.